0: So we're in this new series called Second Peter. You might be wondering why we called it that. We're studying the book of Second Peter. It's super creative. Our team struggles sometimes with how creative we should get. So Second Peter it is. uh, And we would love for you to be bringing your Bibles every single Sunday, your hard paper Bibles. I know some of you are still hooked on the electronics uh, and that's great, but you cannot replace, in my humble opinion, you cannot replace having the word of God opened, uh, unfolded in your lap. And so uh, the, the other reason for that is uh, to be able to mark things up on a regular basis uh, because Technology changes, you might take notes in one app and then that app's gone the next month where I've got notes and comments on this uh, since the mid-90s. And so please, please, please bring your Bibles. Uh, We're in chapter one and we're going to get a lot of if-then statements in today's message. My world kind of surrounds itself with if-then statements. Uh, If the boys are doing great, then I will have a great day. Uh, if the boys do this, then I get this. If I have enough money, then I get to do this. Uh, if I'm in a good mood, if I can get to the gym, if I can eat well. Did any of you kind of live that way too? You have uh, some ifs. We don't really think about it till we start diving in a little bit, and we realize we all have a ton of these if statements. And so we're going to unpack exactly what does that mean for us as believers. So uh, as we get ready, would you please stand for the reading of this morning's passage? We're gonna get back to five through seven, but this morning uh, for our reading is just gonna be uh, eight through 11. So listen to the word of the Lord. For if you possess these qualities, we're gonna go back to that list. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fail. I'm sorry, excuse me, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the word for us this morning. You may have a seat. This passage is written to those who have received, uh, as we saw last week, God's great and precious promises. And because of those promises that, that those who follow Jesus have received, these Christ followers have experienced what we unpacked in great depth last Sunday and what scholars and theologians referred to as the great switch or the great escape. If you missed last week's message as we launched into 2 Peter, you can jump on our website, rockcreekchurch.org. Uh, you can uh, catch up with that. Also, another quick uh, little highlight, if you're interested in the women's Bible study, it will be both virtual and in person, so you have options with that. Thank you for that little announcement. All right, Peter then says that as we add to our faith, now initially that should make, if you're a, if you're a following Uh, disciple of Jesus and you have some maturity should cause your ears to perk up a little bit like, as we add to our faith, notice I did not say salvation or love of God, nor did Peter. As we add to our faith, this list, five through seven, will have a tremendous impact on your life. And he introduces three important statements in our passage this morning with this beautiful two-letter word, two word, if. It's become my new favorite word. Because quite honestly, I didn't even know what if stands for. I know how to use it, but I couldn't define it. Maybe you're smarter than me. So I turned to the Oxford Dictionary. It defines if in this way. If is a conjunction introducing a condition where the question of fulfillment or non-fulfillment is left open. Now, this is really important, so I'm gonna let this linger just for a moment. And I'm gonna read it again, and I want you to, to really wrap your mind around this beautiful little word. If is described and defined this way, a conjunction introducing a condition where the question of its fulfillment or non-fulfillment is left wide open. And that's helpful for us because Peter uses this little word if on three different occasions to connect the clauses. And so we're we're gonna unpack if with these attached clauses. The first one is found in verse eight where he says, for if you possess these qualities, referring to the list, in increasing measure." And what does he say will happen if we, if we have this list in increasing measure in, in our life? They will function as a preventative measure in your life. If, if you're around anyone who's in medicine, preventative is better than reactive, right? Preventative medicine is better than going, oh, shoot, we, if we would have caught this earlier, right? We can all agree to that. It's the same idea of what Peter's trying to give us in this particular instance. And what does he say will happen? It will help us in a preventative way. Now, what is Peter not saying? Peter is not saying that we do the list, and at the end of the list, we become super Christians. That's not what he's saying. You do the list, you become super holy. Like, you become the all-star on the all-star team at church. In fact, it's the direct opposite. We can only do this list because we have received this incredible precious faith that we talked about last week, and now, with the work and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can add to our faith, add to our relationship with God, add to our dependence on him. And then, thus, we can make our faith stronger and more mature. So what's the list? Verses five through seven. Goodness, knowledge, Self-control, perseverance, godliness, love for our brothers and sisters, and to the whole of humanity. There's the list. And Peter says, if you can add this in increasing measure to your faith in your, your everyday life, you're gonna experience things that the everyday person who definitely believes in Jesus but is not applying those things, you're not gonna experience those. In short, Since God has given us the power of godliness, Peter and others in the Bible say, then labor for godliness. If God gave you godliness, then labor to get it. Right? If I say, there is a Lamborghini waiting for you, Randy, outside, and Randy doesn't ever get up, he's kind of a moron. (laughs) It's, It's the same idea with faith. God says, I've got all of this. It's it's waiting for you, and you're gonna be blown away with it if you apply it, but then we just sit. It's what happens to us. And this is the heart of New Testament ethics. This is so important. We strive for virtue, a life change, a life growth. Why do we strive for it? Because God has already worked it out for us and worked it out in us. He's already done the hard work. In fact, he's done all of the work. And now he says, join me. I love you so much. I'm not this God who just makes a bunch of robots. I include you. I allow you to participate in your own faith. Why is that important? Because if God just deemed Randy holy and Randy could just sit back, then God is dictating it rather than receiving a love and a relationship back. This is important for us because we can't ever reverse that order. Unless you believe in another gospel, which is no gospel at all. Never say, I will work out my salvation in order that God can work in me. Bad theology, terrible theology, dangerous theology. But say with the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, I work out my salvation for it is God who works in me to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, the only reason we work at that list is because God prompts us to work at that list. That's the only reason. We don't do it on our own. We don't wake up one day on our own going, oh, my heart just longs for God. No, God prompts our heart and then we either respond or ignore it. But he starts it. That is good theology. He always starts. He always initiates in us. And Peter tells us all of these things, including uh, a, a lot of overlap, and thus there's no indication on the importance of sequence of this list, that if worked into the fabric of our everyday life, our comings and goings, by means of your precious faith in Jesus, and by the ultimate work of the Holy Spirit, that those things, that list will help us, and this is so important, will keep us from having a faith that is, is described as ineffective and unproductive. Now let me tell you the, the very difficult truth. There are a lot of believers who live a life of complete ineffectiveness and unproductiveness in the kingdom of God. They take up a seat. They got their get out of jail free card. That I'm not going to hell. I believe in Jesus. Wonderful. The Bible says if you don't do anything with that, you're ineffective and unproductive. Anybody in here want to be described that way? None of us. None of us want to live a life that's unworthy or unproductive or ineffective. That would be miserable. And yet, Peter doesn't pull punches, and neither will I. Because if we work at this list, according to Peter, it helps keep us active so that our faith muscles get stronger and they grow and they don't atrophy. What happens when you don't use your muscles? They shrink. And you get to a point where you don't even have that muscle anymore. It just goes away. It's the same thing with faith. And in order for followers not to fall into this trap of ineffectiveness and living a life of, of unproductiveness, Peter invites the readers, and I invite you to a time of self evaluation. Where are you? Where are you going? Because if where you are is sitting, and where you are going is sitting, you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you name it. So let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this. But if anyone does not have them, referring to the list, if anyone doesn't have them, he or she is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten, Lord, keep us from this, has forgotten that he and she has been cleansed from their past sins. And therefore, we fall. We backtrack. And I've seen this for over 25 years with students. The unfireness, the passion, the commitment, and because the faith isn't continuing to grow, it atrophies and falls away. And they forget that their sins have been forgiven. Again, Peter says the big if. This is the person who's not growing in their faith and has lost focus. They, they've lost their desire for. And their life-changing appreciation for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's just kind of become oh hum. Another thing. And when an individual, and we are all at risk of this, let's make sure we're all on the same page. It's not like we're in this room and we're talking about some people out there like, who are these people he speaks of? No, this is us. We're all at risk of what we're talking about here. When an individual ceases a continuous growth in their faith, it's almost always associated with a loss of attention and a diluted view of what Jesus did. No longer is it powerful. No longer is it awe-inspiring. No longer is it life-changing. Church becomes an option. Attending church becomes an option. Reading your Bible becomes an option. Praying becomes an option. It's just kind of cavalier and casual. Why? Because we've lost our focus. We see this in marriages. You no longer look at your husband or your wife with awe. You look at them as a pain. You look at them as a chore. You look at them as a roommate, as a helpmate, but not the love of your life. And what happens? Well, that's a dangerous place for your marriage. It's the same thing with God. What this means in a very real and practical sense is, is that if we are ever going to endeavor ever more in this Christian life, it means that we must maintain focus. And hard work. Because just like a marriage, a great marriage takes work, a great faith and relationship with Jesus takes work. If you don't believe me, read the Old Testament. Hang out in Leviticus for a long time, and just read that over and over and over. It takes work. Because Peter says, without that, we walk around staggering. This is the idea. We're nearsighted. We're blind. We're bumping into walls. We're falling over chairs. We don't know which way to go. We, we don't know what to do with our lives. We're questioning every decision. Well, that's what happens when you get away from God. It's the same idea that if you and I were to go on a hike today and you were to pick one of the most strenuous ones, which I wouldn't like you for, and we go start doing the hike, and we have 50 of us, there would be some of you who would not really enjoy that hike. All you would be able to focus on is one step in front of the other. Anybody with, like there, just a bunch of like super athletes in this room, that would be me. If we were to a 14 right now, I wouldn't talk to you, I wouldn't look at you, You'd say, oh, look at that beautiful waterfall. And I'd go, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Why wouldn't I talk to you? Because I can't breathe. It's all I can do to maintain focus on what I'm currently doing. Why? Because if, for a lot of us, if we go to that really, really dangerous hike and we're not maintaining focus one foot in front of the other, making sure that I'm breathing right, make sure I'm stepping right, then we position ourselves in a place of great danger in the faith. Is this making sense? And this is why, according to the biblical writers, that we're to tell the gospel story over and over and over and over and over again. I've heard some people, uh, long-time people at church go, I don't really go to church because I've heard it all. I'm like, oh, you don't get it. That's the point. We have to be reminded of the gospel story over and over and over and over again because in hearing that truth that is directly related to our lives, the Bible says it will create knowledge, further knowledge, and that knowledge will create strength. Our muscles will be strengthened with hearing this truth over and over and over and over again. And then because you're strengthened in your faith, your life will mean something. It will matter. It may only matter for the one, but it will matter. There's an old hymn. Some of you old timers may know it. Tell me the old, old story. Any of you heard? remember that hymn? Tell me the old, old story. I grew up in my grandparents' third Presbyterian church, super, super old church in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, just couple blocks away from where Lincoln is buried, and very traditional, and so a lot of these old hymns still ring true and and resonate in my heart, and this one, tell me the old, old story. Here are a few lines from it. Tell me the old, old story of unseen, unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply as to a little child, for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in, that wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. It's similar to the the author that pens the words prone to wander. That's us. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We're we're prone to do exactly what this passage says. Uh, of this stanza of this old hymn it talks about. And we must hear the story over and over and over again because if we're not careful, if we're not mindful, if we don't take our faith seriously every single day, if we do not actively participate with God in his promptings to grow in our faith, sharing according to how the Bible describes in his divine nature, then you and I are at risk of being described in the same way that Peter describes those who are falling away. I don't want that for you. (laughs) I don't want that for me. I don't want that for any church. I want the direct opposite, that our lives are effective, that things are happening, that God is using us And so that's the warning, but there's also in this passage, and this is the way the Holy Spirit works, there's a warning, but there are also some incredible things in this. So look, if you would, just a few pages to your right in the book of Jude. Most of you have this book memorized, so you can just refer to your memory. Verse 24, there's no chapters, it's just a letter. Verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from what? Falling, let's say it again. To him who is able to keep you from? And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever, amen. That is an unbelievable promise that we find in the scriptures, a passage of hope. And this passage is incredible because it makes us feel good, and it should. But how does God do this? How does God do what it's describing? How does God help us not fall? You with me? And the answer is quite extensive. But the significant way that he accomplishes this promise is by directing us to the truth of the scriptures. That's his number one way of doing, is go, you're looking for truth, I got truth. You want more truth, I got even more truth. You're looking for direction and culture. You're looking for answers. I've got it. And they're tested. They're proven time and time again. And that's exactly what he does. So this is a great warning and a celebration. If you don't make every effort, listen, you run the risk of being ineffective and unproductive and nearsighted to his glory and forgetting the work that he has done. Conversely, if you do make every effort to stay grounded in these great and precious promises and in your, quote, precious faith, then you will live effective and you will be productive and you will remain positioned to see the world the way that God wants you to see it. It's very clear. He doesn't make words difficult to understand. You have a job to do, you have a relationship to participate with. Now, the third and final if it's found in verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make sure of your calling and election, for if you do these things, if you apply, not just this list, but everything prior to that in uh, verses one through four, then you will never what? Fall. Any of you enjoy falling? I don't even like stubbing my toe, much less falling. I stub my toe and I think the world's coming to an end. Right? Whenever we fall or get hurt, Mark Arnett the other day was cutting some wood in the garage and a board shot back and hit him in the gut and it dropped him to the ground, he fell. Very fun, Mark? Yeah, super fun. None of us like to fall. We just don't. And if you do these things, you won't fall. If you don't do these things, you will fall. This is great parenting. Seriously, this is incredible parenting with with young kids that can kind of understand, but certainly teenagers, to really help them. If you don't want to fall, I've got the answer for you. Sometimes the scriptures are so abundantly clear. Don't make it more complicated. God has given us great and precious promises. And those promises, listen, create our faith. We don't create it. The promises create our faith. And then we add to our faith these God-given, God-prescribed, God-empowered practices Notice he doesn't say, I need you. I need you to come up with a list on what you think would help your faith. And then I'll empower that because I believe in you. You're super, super smart. But once you come up with your list, I'll take all my power and I'll bless that. Wrong. He says, I created the faith. I created the list. I created promises. I created everything. I'm asking you to participate in the list. Because I'll empower you to do so. And as you participate in the list, then I'll strengthen what I already gave you. Notice it's not about us. It's good stuff. And these promises add, according to Peter, to our God-given faith. And if we go down that road of practice and relationship, the Bible says we find this, we talked about this last week, the whole world's looking for it, grace and peace. I just wanna live a peaceful life. On a regular basis, I look at ranches in Montana where there there are no people for like states. (laughs) And I think to myself, oh, that would be peace problem is I'd be there. Right? And if you came to visit, it gets even worse. I'm just kidding. We don't get peace that way. Uh, my Apple TV, when, when there's a, a pause, it'll put up a, um, a Zen picture. You know, you see dolphins swimming and dandelions blowing in the wind and it says, the Zen peace, and I'm like, I just want the football game to come back on. Like, it's just not giving me peace that you promised. And the Bible says that we know where to find grace and peace. In fact, these are warnings that have to be taken to heart because we could fall, and the question becomes where? Where could we fall? Well, to be blunt, we could fall into habitual sin. We could fall into a hardened heart. We could fall into a critical heart. Just this morning, I walked around in the office, and I prayed, and I asked God, please do not let my shortcomings, please do not allow my sin to affect you. Please don't let my struggles pause, delay, interrupt the gospel message. Because we all can do this. Uh, It it can be seen when we're just tossed back and forth in the waves of culture. And we just go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Oh, that kind of sounds good. Oh, that reasoning looks good. And and we put reasoning ahead of Scripture. And the idea theologically is if we fail to go forward, we will go backwards. Kind of like any of you learned stick shift as a kid on a hill? You're going to go one way. We don't, learn, we don't teach that very often, but that's a, that's a good analogy. And you might be saying right about now, especially if you're home alone because you're, you're not here with everybody else to get a nice cup of coffee and, and some treats, you might be saying, well, this is kind of a lousy Sunday. Like, there's, there's not a lot of good in this. I'm, I'm sure glad I got up early to come and be a part of this. And I pray that you don't lend your ear to the enemy's whispers, because the enemy is going to try and taunt you, the enemy is trying, going to try and lie to you, the enemy is going to try and convince you otherwise. And fight right now against that. Because even in this, these warnings, there's found great hope. Allow me to paint a picture of the potential of what lies ahead. Verse 11, turn with me. Says, and you will receive a rich welcome. The New Living Translation says, a grand entrance. Picture. Da, 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 da. All right, grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, if you accept the gift of reconciliation, this reconciliation that gifts you then your precious faith, quote unquote, and if you continue to grow in that faith and be active with God, you will receive a faith that is effective and is productive. And if you have a faith that is productive and is effective you will see what Jesus has done for you and that will motivate you to live your life in a way that's not of this world. You follow that pattern? It's different than going, well, Brian said I should live this way, so I guess I'm gonna go home and try that. No, no, we live that way because of everything that came before, that's what drives us. And if you do these things, the Bible says, you will not fall away, but you will receive a grand entrance in the kingdom of God Built into this letter, though, is a stark contrast. Sometimes you get the weather report and you're like, I don't like that forecast. This is the same. There's a forecast here. You see, the Bible says that if we do these things, if we accept all everything that God has for us in these things, if we live our life in a way that is truly lock and step with him our Savior, our Lord, our King, our very reason for life as we know it, we will receive a grand entrance into the kingdom of God. If, however, we do not do such things, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, tells us we could receive a different picture. Here's what it says. I'll go to verse 14. If what he has built survives, meaning what you build in your life, if what he he has built survives, he will receive his reward. In other words, you're going to go to heaven. You have salvation. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. Everything else is going to be burned up. But he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Let me show you what this could look like. I'm gonna show you two port arrivals of ships. This is the point when in elementary school when they would wheel in the cart with the TV and you knew you were having a movie that day and you're like, yes, (laughs) nap time. Don't get excited in that regard. However, get excited for what this is going to paint. Two port arrivals of mighty ships. I want you to notice the difference between the two. We're gonna play one, we're gonna pause, I'm gonna talk and then we'll play the next one. So let's watch. (music) you <music> How many of you get seasick? Wow, lots of you. Drama me. Um, how many of you would love to be on that ship pulling back into port after a uh, after a deployment? Yeah, be kind of just the like the music, the like flags out, everybody's dressed to the nines, tanner. That probably like hits home for you a little bit. Uh, it's like, woo, we are arriving, right? Unbelievable. According to the scriptures, you will receive a rich welcome, a grand entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 paints a different picture. You'll get in, but only like you've escaped the flame. So take a look at this port arrival. All right, you can cut that. All right, so which boat would you like to arrive on? Both are getting to port. Both got up on the wood dock. Which one would you like to arrive on? Peter says, I can assure you that your faith will increase and you will not fall away and you will take your last breath and when you take that last breath, as we believe Naya did, you will receive a grand entrance. But if you do not do these things, Peter says, I can assure you that you will fall away and at best, you're gonna crawl into heaven like Captain Jack Sparrow. And again, as a reminder, this is not salvation we're talking about. I, I always use the marriage analogy. You can be married and have kind of a cruddy marriage. Or you can have a thriving, growing, strong marriage. Same thing with God. This is not adding to your faith to somehow, at some point, obtain your blessed assurance. Like, I just gotta keep, maybe if I'm patient, more patient enough, then I can get that blessed ass- You have your blessed assurance. It happened on Calvary. You're not gonna get more love from God. You're not gonna get more acceptance from the Father. What we're talking about is how strong and effective your faith is and what God does with it to enhance and expand and strengthen the kingdom of God. You see, God doesn't just want a relationship with you. He wants such a deep, intimate, passionate relationship with you that you become what you always could be. We cannot add nor can we subtract from the amount of love that God has for us but based on what we do with our gift, that is our faith and our knowledge, that can drastically affect not only our standing or falling, but also our effectiveness in the kingdom. And remember who is teaching us. It's Peter. Peter, king of two steps forward, three steps back. Thank you, that's so kind. Perfect timing too. This is Peter. He's learned a thing or two in his old age because he's seen a thing or two. He's wiser. And he now realizes that the partnership of human effort married to the divine grace is a power to behold. And that's the way God always wanted it to be. And his confidence is secure because he knows that he knows, this is Peter, he knows that all of God's promises from the beginning of Scripture all, to the, all the way to the end is yes and amen. It is a shouting yes, every single one of his promises. We don't have to believe those promises. We don't even have to understand those promises. They will all be fulfilled you say, well, what are these promises? We're two weeks in. You keep talking about these precious promises. What are these promises? Well, that is a long, long discussion, because they include every single Old Testament prophecy that was perfectly fulfilled in Jesus, but they also, in part, include the following. That we will receive the Holy Spirit. That we have been adopted. And now have the relationship with God as sons and daughters. That God hears our prayers and he answers them. That in his name we will do miracles that Jesus did and even greater. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. That God will meet every need we have according to the extent of his riches and his wisdom. That we will go to heaven when we die. That we will escape the punishment we deserve for our sins. That Christ will return and take us to be with himself. For if this were not so, I would have told you so. That our bodies, whether living or dead, at Christ's return will be raised and changed. In fact, the Bible says you get a new name and a new body and your name is so precious to him that only you and he will know your name. That we will rule and reign with Christ, sharing in his divine nature in the new heavens and the new earth. That Jesus loves us even now in spite of our failures and our sins and friends, the list goes on and on and on. These are the precious promises that we build our faith upon. And therefore, Peter says, in light of all these promises and hundreds more, even in the midst of corruption that is prevalent throughout Asia Minor as he's writing to these churches, even in the midst of corruption, false teachers, moral defilement, and soon to become deadly persecution, Peter says, because of your precious faith, because of these precious promises, because you continue to work with God in your relationship. You can say, it is well with my soul and I have peace. And you will stand and not fall. Man, the Bible is so cool. The Bible is so cool. And it, it allows us to, to eat this morning, to feed, to be strengthened with what it says. I encourage you, if you haven't done so already, just be in Second Peter throughout the week. Just chew on it, just read it over and over and over. Randy sent me a great email this week just with questions. Um, feel free to do that, read it, shoot me questions, brian at rockcreekchurch.org, shoot me questions about it. But it's only three chapters, so uh, read the whole thing every day or read a chapter a week, but be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. Would you stand as we pray? Get ready to respond in our worship, Lord. This uh, this participative grace that that we get to somehow be in relationship with you to help grow our faith, our our relationship, that that you love us enough to give us those instructions in scripture. You very easily could have just sat back and said, figure it out yourself. You wanna grow stronger? You you want a deeper relationship with me? You want a deeper faith? Well, figure it out. You didn't. All throughout the scriptures, you show us um, signs. You gently give us instruction on how to do just that. So thanks that we don't navigate that alone. Gr- personally, I'm grateful there's more to be had in my faith. I th- I'm so thankful I'm not done. There's more of your wonders, there's, there's more of your gentleness, there's more of your peace to be found. And for every day that you give me breath on this earth, I will pursue that. We as a church will pursue that. And in doing so, we will find a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ that lives within. That's our humble desire. And part of that is strengthened with singing songs that just remind us of those promises, that remind us of the truth, that remind us why we even come and do this. So as we respond in song, as we respond in worship, would you create a passion and a power in this room that is not of mankind? a humility, but a but a passion and an excitement for you. Because we trust you. And we give you this morning. In the precious and powerful risen name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we do pray. And all of God's people said.